Okay, thank you very much again for this opportunity to speak about Jesus. I believe again that there's nothing greater than to listen to Jesus because Jesus is our perfect example, is our perfect theology. Anything that we want to know about how to live, no matter whatever area of your life, you are in business, you are in a student, you are a young adult, you are a minister of the gospel, everything that pertains to living and godliness has been told to us by Jesus Christ. So it's an opportunity and I thank you again for creating this as something that we can all go back to examining the sins of Jesus. And the last time we spoke, I tried as much as possible to say some of the things that we may be, to balance it in, in such a way, but there are some of the things that we discussed the last time that people will be very happy to hear, you know, about love and everything. But not every sin of Jesus Christ actually goes down well with people when we read them. Some of them are very hard sins. And one of the places he said, this is a, one of the, the, even his disciples said something, when he said something very strong, he said, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? Because not every time is always loving, it's always smooth and everything. And then we examine some of the hard sins of Jesus today that forms the foundation of discipleship for a, for a Christian. Because a disciple is essentially a follower, a, a, a copycat, so to speak. You are copying everything Jesus is doing and replicating it and all of that. So very hard saying, very strong sayings. We'll be able to examine them tonight. And we we'll trust that the Holy Spirit will help us in Jesus' name. Let me start with a very beautiful one. I didn't write it down. It was just in a conversation. Now it's just clicking my, my mind. It's in John chapter 13. I love that one particularly a lot because I believe strongly that the way to the top is the way down. So, and Jesus exemplified this because in our normal world, even in certain cultures across the world, the leader of every group is always like the one that everybody's always at their beck and call. Everyone is serving the leader. If I'm the president of a nation, I am the CEO of a company, I am the minister in the church, I'm the leader of a church group and everything. Everybody's at my beck and call. Everyone, I have to give instruction to this, give instruction to that person, and I'm sitting down on my high chair telling everybody what to do. But, and that's the way of the world. The way of the world is such that the, the leader is the one that gives instruction, tells people what to do, and people have to follow and listen but our master, Jesus Christ, showed us a different example. Before we, you know, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter two, it said, let this mind be in you from, from verse five, like it was in Christ Jesus. Who thought it not Robby to equate himself with God? He made himself of no reputation. And then he humbled himself to the death on the cross. And what was the end of it? Because he did that. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name, that are the mention of the name of Jesus, every need to buy. But he first of all, what? Obeyed. He submitted himself to the death of the cross before he could end the name above every other name. So he showed us an example of how we as believers, we must be whatever position that God places me or you into whatever opportunity we have to be about people, to lead people, there is a pattern of disciples of Christ that we must follow. And it helps us when we listen to Jesus so that when we see anything different from the example Jesus has told us, we can make adjustment in our lives. That is the whole essence of listening to Jesus. If I'm somebody that's always usurping authority, always giving people command, sitting and doing all that, and I listen to, let's talk about Jesus. And we believe that Jesus is our master, is, is our senior brother, is our, is our uh, the example that we, with which believers must follow. So when I listen to how Jesus led the people, 
the example he showed to the people, what I need to do is to what? Look into how Jesus did and make adjustment into my life. I don't copy the examples of the world. So let's look at how Jesus told us. Look at John chapter 13 from verse 13. He said, you call me master and Lord. Just look at that. Master and Lord. When you call somebody Lord, that means he has authority, absolute authority over another person. So if you call it master and Lord, he said, you, you have said very well. Truly, I am Lord and I am master. You have said very well. Look, and I said, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash another's feet. So the example, essentially, John chapter 13 was given to us by Jesus Christ to destroy the spirit of pride or haughtiness among us. Because ordinarily, in the world system, the Lord should not wash the feet of his servants. It's not, it's not correct. In fact, if everybody comes to see the, the Lord washing the feet of his servants, they see it as an abnormally. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. Anyone that has to be the Lord and the master of our people must be the servant of everyone. So that's one of the sins of Jesus Christ that makes us different from the people of the world. In the world system, the leader is the one that gives all the authority, is in command. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus, our perfect example, washed the feet of his disciples to show us an example that if I have given you an example, verse 15, John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. So you must also, the, the leader must be the unblessed person among us. Thank you. So that's the first thing. Thank you very much, sir. That was amazing. That was good. So, so when we were speaking, the Lord revealed God, you reminded me of what happened last time when I was actually at Youth for Christ. So at YFC, there's like, an elevator and the stairs. So I was going to go upstairs. So my plan was to go through the stairs because the stairs is more faster, in my opinion, more faster and more, you know. And, and I heard God's voice that you might not take the elevator. I said, Jesus, no, I cannot wait for a long time for you to come from a second floor, come down to take the stairs because wait, take the elevator. I said, okay, okay, okay. I took the elevator and and it took me up, which was good. And when I came out, <laughs> Jesus Christ spoke to me. He said that um, he, actually, he actually gave me like a, a kind of a revelation about that particular um, scene. He said that humility is allowing Jesus to lift you up. It's actually like going low. And the Bible says that if you humble yourself under the, God, under the mighty hand of God, it will lift you up. Now, it was saying that many people use effort and strength so like to, to get to the top. But really, how the way to the top is to start from the low, the low position. And then when we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, even, even before people, like you said, washing the feet of, of, of our fellow disciples, then, then, it, then it will lift us up. And also on that verse, I said, it said that except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. I said, if that corn of wheat falls to the ground, that seed, it will bring forth much fruit. So now, this is the key to greatness. It is being humble. Humility is the key for us to become mean great. So, 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 that, so, so, so when we were speaking, that was what came to my, my mind, that my story and that, and that particular verse. Amazing. You, you know, the, this humility is something that we must talk about a lot, especially in our generation. It is becoming increasingly um, rampant to find young adults, youths, people that are just coming up, 
to become very unruly, to become rude, even because we have access to information, knowledge. So we have to emphasize the fact that whatever, no matter the advancement in knowledge, technology, access to internet, access to information, the principles and the teachings of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with age, has nothing to do with season, has nothing to do with time. It's something that will be applicable for every generation. Humility has always been the way to the top. Even in 2050, in 2100, these principles that we are examining will still remain the same. We have seen it work for many people. We have seen people that they keep rising because the humbler you are, the more easy for Jesus to lift you up. So you have to humble yourself under the, and one thing I want to emphasize, this is a very important statement. Humility is actually accepting what, who Christ has called you. That's humility. If he called you to, that you are my son, don't call yourself something else apart from what he has called you. So accepting who he has called you is actually part of humility because he paid for it to, for you to earn that name. That's why he said in John 1, 12, as many as received him. So he now gave them the ability to become the sons of God. If he did not die for us, if he did not humble himself, we can earn the ability to be called his children. So accepting we as us is part of the hallmarks of humility. Yes. Thank you, sir. We'll move on to um, number six. Yeah, number six. Um, or number seven? No, I think, uh, yes, yeah, number, five, seven, seven, yes. number seven. seven. This, let me not get to one that is very serious. Matthew chapter 8, verse 22. It's also yeah. written in Luke 9, 60. Can you please read Matthew 8, 22, please? Matthew 8, 22 says... <laughs> And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. You see, this is one of the hard sayings of Jesus. Because people cannot relate the loving person that spoke so much about love, so much about empathy, kindness to people, speaking like this as well. Let the dead bury the dead. No, we want to have emotional attachment to things. Oh, my loved one died. I need to pay my last respects. I need to, 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 to show my final rights to this person. Jesus' response to a person that asks, that said, let me go and bury my father before following Jesus. How can Jesus be so insensitive as to provoke a grief-stricken seeker to forgo a proper barrier for his parents. It doesn't make sense. Even I've discovered that even some scholars from the Jewish custom actually said that there are two ceremonies for the dead. So it may be that Jesus was referring to this, to this second redundant ceremony. Others still suggest that the wording of the young man's request means that the father was still living. Now, and the son was asking permission to fulfill his family duties on his father before his father passed. Either way, this is the truth. For anyone that wants to follow Jesus, family customs, family rights, family agreement, anytime there's a, there is a contradiction or a conflict between following Jesus, conflict between following Jesus and doing something that has to do with family. When family commitment and Jesus commitment clashes, family commitment must bow to following Jesus. It's so difficult at times. In fact, there may be situations whereby you have certain things that you have reserved, even for your, for, for maybe for your family, Jesus, can place a demand on that resources. So when 
family commitments and Jesus' commitment clash. Family commitment was what? Must take the back seat. That's what Jesus is saying. Either way, Jesus is heightening the urgency of his kingdom work and placing more loyalty to his cause above any cultural expressions of family loyalty. So you must, as a disciple, follow up Jesus Christ. When there is a time which we will all have, when family will clash with what following Christ. Following Christ must be our number one priority. Amen, sir. Thank you very much sir, for that. So there's one verse that I think we all need to actually like understand uh, because many Christians don't understand this particular verse. It's actually in relation to what you just said. And that verse is from the book of Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Okay. Luke 14, 26, it says, um, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, mm-hmm wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Amen. So, so that particular verse, uh, how do we break that down to understand what the Lord is saying there? Exactly. So. Again, again, this is also related to, thank you for bringing that up. You see, the first question would be that, does Jesus really want us to hate our, the people closest to us? That is not possible because he exemplified love. It will also mean that Jesus is contradicting himself, contradicting his teaching on love. Jesus was saying that our desire to serve him should be greater than our desire to please our relatives, our family members, and even ourselves. That is the emphasis there. There will be times that family, we love our family so much. We love our parents. We love our siblings so much. But our desire as a disciple and a follower of Jesus, our desire to follow and to please our master must be greater than our desire to please our relatives and even ourselves. Now, what led to this? Joseph and Mary, they had a, quite a large family large family, after the birth of Jesus, they still had more brothers and sisters. And if you look, read John chapter 7, 1 to 5, John 7, 1 to 5, you will find out that even his brothers and sisters were skeptical. If you read it, maybe we should just look into that place. They were skeptical about Jesus' claim to to be the son of God, even his family members. John chapter 7, 1 to 5. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, in Judea, because of the Jews, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, "Depart from here and go into Judah, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing." For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Did you see that? So that was what led to what we read in Luke. So the the account and the way it is written in different gospels is different. Okay? But this is what led to him saying they did their best even to silence him from declaring himself as the son of God, okay? Saying that he was mad. They told him, his brethren told him he was mad in Mark chapter three, verse 21. Let's read that as well. So we just use scriptures to know what led to this very strong saying. And every believer must get to that point whereby you make up your mind and even your relatives, your family member, they can testify whether you are there, present or absent. We know Emmanuel, Jesus takes precedence over anything. People give you gifts. They give you resources. People can know. They will know by relating with you that before you will do anything with any resource, he will ask Jesus. He will tell Jesus, how do I 
this boss, these resources you have given to me. Even the, your hidden friends, your hidden um, classmates in school, co-workers, they will testify that if we go to speak to Emmanuel, he cannot but speak about Jesus. And that's a very good testimony. So look at Mark chapter 3, verse 21. It says, But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him. For they said, He's out of his mind. Do you see that? Those who are his own relatives, those are his family members. So every disciple of God, anyone that wants to follow Christ, we also experience this. The Bible says those that want to live godly in this world will suffer many persecutions. So until we, if we don't, we are not suffering persecutions yet. The way Jesus suffered it, we may be compromising in certain areas of our lives. Because people will say, you are fanatic. People will say, your own is too much. Even, even, even these pastors, even all these bishops, they are not taking Jesus on their head like you are doing. But anyone that wants to truly follow Jesus, we go through this thing and then they have to make up their mind to say, even if my relatives, even if my so-called friends, even if my so-called believers that we are supposedly in the same church decide to what persecute me because of my love for Jesus, I will still continue to hold on to Jesus. So Jesus refused to be silenced. You should not. I should also not allow anybody to keep me quiet from speaking about Jesus. So Jesus refused. He had been sent to preach the gospel and he would not be deterred. He would not allow family sentiments, family members, friends, associations to deter him from speaking about what he has been sent to do. So his brothers even went very, very far. People don't know. They went so far to persuade Mary, his mother, to, to see the extent to which they went. They went to persuade Mary to join them, okay? In physically removing Jesus. They went, his own brothers, went to speak to his mother. People can do that as well. They can go and speak to somebody that may be supposedly influential, quote and unquote, an old prophet that you may, you may listen to, or that person has some level of authority to speak to you, to physically remove you from doing the will of God. In that Mark chapter 3 that we read, let's also read 33 to 35. Mark 3, 30, they went so far to go and get his mother to come and stop him from doing his work. 33 to 35. But, but he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle and at those who sat about him and said, yeah, I'm my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Do you see that? So that's where the extent of which following Christ, you will deny yourself you will also have to take a stand to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it's not it that Jesus is trying to say because sometimes for, for lack of words to use, the interpretation of Bible, Bible was written in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So it may mean something different in a, in a different place. But it's saying our desire to follow the will of God must supersede the desire to please any man on this earth. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. Rabbi also, also say that um, seek ye first God's kingdom and his righteousness, then every other things will be added to you. Um, yeah. Thank you, sir. Amen. All right. For number eight, sir. All right. Number eight. Ah. Uh, let me okay. Let me choose this one. Matthew five forty four. This is very important for a believer as well. Matthew five forty four says, um, 
I think we just, I think we did this one already, sir. Did you do this one? Yes. Oh, if you did this one, let me, let me. Yes. All right, let me, let me, let me give one that is also very sweet. And this is very core to our faith. Any believer that doesn't understand this, we have a lot of complications. This next one is the foundation. This one, without it, there is no Christianity. Believe me. John chapter 14, verse 6. This has gone through a lot of arguments, fights, contradictions, and all of that. <laughs> so, Amen. Yeah. Jesus said to, to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father except through me. This is very, very key to our faith. Now from Genesis to Malachi was the Old Testament. No, no, Genesis to Malachi is the scriptures. The scriptures. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talks about the history and the accounts and the works of Jesus Christ while he was on earth. New Testament did not begin until Christ died and resurrected. Because that's a, until the death of a testator, there can never be what? A New Testament. So Jesus had to die first for us to have a new covenant, which he said, this is the new covenant in what? In my blood. Mm -hmm. In my blood. So Jesus, until Jesus died, there was no new testament. So you talk about the account of Jesus for us here on it. So you look at the fact that Genesis to Malachi was like types and shadows trying to describe Jesus. That is the reason why I love this conversation. The Bible says something. All the patriarchs in the Old Testament, as powerful and as great as they were, they did not have the opportunity to see what we are seeing today. They did not have the privilege to be able to see because they did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Without mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, we will, we will misinterpret the scriptures. We will misunderstand it. We will even misrepresent Jesus. We will teach it wrongly to people and claim that we are following Christ, okay? You know, there was a time Jesus told them, uh, let everyone that has a sword, keep their sword. If you don't have one, go and buy it. It was the reason why Peter had a sword in his pocket following Jesus and he cut off the ear of Marcos immediately because he was carrying the sword with him everywhere he was going, even though he was following Jesus. So it's possible that people can misinterpret scriptures and misunderstand it. That's why we must ask the Holy Spirit to help us. I remember a humorous story about somebody trying to read the, read the Bible randomly without even trusting the Holy Spirit for guidance. You know, the Holy Spirit can actually tell you, you open your Bible and tell you to read only one verse of the scripture. Stay on that one verse. I want to deal with you on that verse. And you trust the Holy Spirit to guide you. Now, this brother wanted to read the Bible just to fulfill our righteousness without the Holy Spirit. He just opened his Bible like this, and then he just opened randomly. Anywhere he opened, he wanted to read. The first place he read was that. And Judas hanged himself. He closed it. I said, that's not where I want to read. He closed it and opened it again. And he read the next one. Whatever you want to do, go and do it quickly. He closed it again. <laughs> and now the third place, he said, what you have seen me do, do likewise. He just closed this Bible. That's the danger of reading, just reading randomly. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be able to go to read. So what am I saying? This place is the core of a Christian faith. All Moses, David, Abraham, Ezekiel, Isaiah, they were trying to describe Jesus us but they were limited because without the holy spirit you can never give an accurate interpretation of who jesus was but more take for instance moses took a brazen serpent and put it in the wilderness he said everyone that looks into the serpent shall live he said the same way this serpent is lifted up in the wilderness so shall the son of man be lifted up on the cross and everyone that looks upon him shall what shall live so they were Types and shadows, they didn't really understand. So immediately Jesus Christ 
came on the scene. He told us, I am the way. I am the one everyone has been trying to, to explain. I'm the one everyone has been trying to, to, to describe, but I have come on the scene. I am the, I am the message of Gen Genesis to Malachi. I am the message that everyone is trying to talk about. But now I am the way. I am not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because every other person, I have said this before, and I'll keep saying it. It makes logical sense without even any measure of intelligence. Somebody, all the people of other religions, other faiths, you can mention their leaders. You can mention all the things, Google and research on the things they spoke about. Many of them, they copied from the principles of the Bible. They copied from the principles of God's word, from Jesus to form their own books. So many of them even did, you know, there's copyright laws. Many of them did copy wrong because they copy what was not, they infused their own into it and made it their own book. Every leader of every religion that you can talk about, I dare anyone that will listen to this to go and do the research. Everyone concluded by saying, I myself, I don't know the way. I don't know the way. Tell me, how does it make sense for me to follow even the person that says he doesn't know the way? And somebody else comes on the scene and says, I am the way. I am not one of the ways. I am the truth and I am the life. No one can gain access to salvation. No one can gain access to the father of light except through me. I am the one by which anyone wants to reach the father, they must come through me. It's very hard. It's very difficult, but it's the absolute truth. Anyone, listen to this, anyone that we go to hell, it is not even sin that's the major reason why people will go to hell. Why? The reason why it's not sin is because the provision for sin has been made. Forgiveness is available. The grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So if I'm living in sin right now, all I need to do is to what? Confess, repent from my sin, forsake them. I will obtain mercy. I will obtain forgiveness. But people will go to hell because of the rejection of Jesus. The rejection of Jesus is what will make people to go to hell. People on their deathbed, on their deathbed, with all the wickedness they've done all through their life, on their deathbed, they accepted Jesus and they are in paradise. The thief on the cross, he has killed many people and he received Jesus. He acknowledged Jesus that single day and Jesus promised him, you shall be with me in paradise. So it is not sin that takes men to hell. It is rejecting the, the provision of salvation through Jesus Christ. So he said it. He predicted his own death. His disciples were understandably upset. They didn't want him to die. Because many people do not know that even his disciples, his disciples, they did not even understand even the purpose of Jesus Christ when they were following him. Many people do not know. When Jesus was on earth, all his disciples at that time the Roman Empire was what? Controlling everything. So the Jews were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. So when Jesus came, they thought Jesus Christ has come to free them from the rule and the tyranny of the Roman Empire. They didn't know. So when he said he was going to die, Paul and Peter said, you will not die. What did he say? Satan, get behind me. Because you are against the fulfillment of my purpose on it. So they were upset. He comforted his disciples by telling them that I will, he told them two things in that John chapter 14. Number one, I am going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will be also. You are still coming to meet me and you will dwell with me forever. Okay? He then said, you know the place I am going in verse four. In confusion, Thomas questioned the statement and Jesus responded by telling the disciples 
that he is the way to heaven. If the, I am leaving you, but if you want to come and join me where I am, you must go through me. And everyone listening to this, regardless of your beliefs, regardless of what you have thought of, especially people in some part of the world, in Africa and all of that, regardless of what you believe, Jesus is the only way to, to have access to the Father. In fact, the Bible says he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us and God. He has made peace between us and God. So there's no way, and I'm saying this thing to everyone, those that try to use logic to explain scriptures, those that try to misinterpret scriptures, who would you rather follow? Somebody that says he is the way, or somebody that says, I don't even know the way myself. Thank you very, very much, sir. Amazing, amazing. And also, sir, when we're speaking, Jesus is the way. If someone asks, okay, what is the way to freedom? Jesus. What, what is the way to success? Jesus. Okay, how can I um, stop this habit? Jesus. How can I, you know, like, like, how can I, you know, preach effectively? Like, it's all rooted in the person of Jesus. And, um, like, like, oh, God, have your way. I, even, like, even the way to heaven is, 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 is Jesus. Like, there's no other way or no other place, which is very, very good. It says, it's, it's actually the truth as well. It's the truth. That means, and you shall know the truth. That means you shall know Jesus. Shall and know Jesus, Jesus sets yeah, you free. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Like Amen. That. You know, when people read that place, you shall know the truth. People think you shall know the scriptures. You shall know, no. You shall know a person, Jesus. Is the knowledge of a person of Jesus that actually sets us free. It's not just by memorizing scriptures. It's not just by attending church. You shall know the truth. You shall know Jesus, a person. And once you know Jesus, that is when you'll be set free. It's not by just quoting scriptures, having all of these things in your... But knowing the person of Jesus is what actually sets us free. Amen. And that's why that... And you shall obviously and he's the life as well. That is hmm. says that in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Hallelujah. See, just as you know, as as we breathe, you know, as our heart is beating, so so is you know, this is what sustains the physical life. The moment hmm. that is cut off, the, the human life is dead. Now, yes. what powers our our spiritual life? It is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So anyone that doesn't have Jesus Christ is actually dead in, in your heart. So if you want, probably is a resurrection and a life. So if you want to be raised back to life, or you to actually, actually enjoy life beyond the physical, you need Jesus Christ to wake you up. And, mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> so number nine. <laughs> Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Mark Another eight, one very hard one. Mark 8, 34. Yes, I have here. Okay. Hmm. It says, when he had called the disciples to himself. So, sorry. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Yes, um, that, that was a mistake. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Oh my, this is a serious one. <laughs> oh Jesus. All right, so. And so, another verse says, daily, Yes, that is, in, that is in our Mark's, our Matthew's account. You must carry daily. Following Jesus is a daily walk. I'm telling you. It's not um, tomorrow. No, it's a daily, it's a daily commitment. Daily commitment. Because even Christ is committed to us daily. So our commitment to him too must be daily. We always hear people say we all have our, our cross to bear. We have heard people say things like that usually about someone who has suffered problems in life. 
You say maybe it's that's that's that person's cross to bear, or that's that person's feet. This is not what Jesus Christ was saying in that place. That is not the cross. Negative experiences, unpleasant situations, is not the cross that Christ is telling us to carry in this place. Okay, so what does it mean? Those bodies, heavy things that we go through, they are not the bodies which we are willingly, we want to willingly take up. Okay, this happens to us and we have to cope with them. We, not everything, it's not every time that the way you plan things to be, we always be the result, we always be the outcome. But because we are children of God, we see even any unpleasant situation in the light of Christ. We see through Jesus and then we have hope, we are comforted, okay? But what Jesus Christ is talking about in this carrying the cross daily, denying ourselves is what? Self-sacrifice, which is one of the major hindrance in following Jesus. Self is the major hindrance in following Jesus. Why? How do you see? Do you see many places there's always a contradiction between my achievements, my status, and in serving in a local assembly. Is it possible for me to sacrifice self, for me to be a PhD holder, or to have gotten to the heights of my career and still be in the sanitation unit of, any, of a church? Can I still be a professor, well-advanced, professor of law, a doctor of philosophy, well-read, well-learned, and I can still be the one that is drumming in a local church. Can I deny my status? Can I deny myself? Can I put aside my achievements? Can I be like Paul and say, all the things that were gained to me, I counted them as loss for Christ. Can I be can I be Hebrew to the Hebrew, Jew to the Jew, Greek to the Greek, so that I can win everyone for Christ? So denying myself is what? Choosing to deny ourselves something that we cherish, our achievements, the sacrifice, the sweat, and doing everything for Jesus. It means that we need to check again our priorities. You said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, seeking the kingdom of God every time. First, we take what? Self-sacrifice, self-denial, self, you know, everything that makes me to want to adulate myself, that causes for the applause of men, that causes men to praise me. I have to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus. Let me give you an example. I wrote it down. For example, we may find that there's an enthusiasm for a hobby that we take up from time to time when we could be doing some kindness or other work for Jesus. Sometimes we take, we take certain things as our hobby. Some people watch movies. Some people watch them. Self-denial involves what? When we need to what? Fellowship with Jesus or to reach out to the unsaved. And my hobby, what, I, what gives me pleasure is clashing with what? Following Jesus. The call is to take up our cross daily, to be prepared to sacrifice my hobby, my own inclinations, and follow the will of God, just as Jesus himself did. So that is the call. Carrying our cross daily means that what? We still look into our priorities. We still look into anything that gives me pleasure, that I enjoy doing. And it's clashing with what? Following Jesus. Doing the will of the master. Reaching out to the unsaved. There's evangelism right now that we need to preach to people to reach out to the unsaved. And I, I, want, to, I, I want to enjoy a moment with playing a game. That gives me hobby. Is there anything wrong in, in playing a game? No, absolutely. Is there anything wrong in watching a movie? Absolutely. 
But any time following Jesus clashes with anything that's hobby or something that we enjoy and love to do, following Jesus, carrying our cross, must take precedence every time. That is the hallmark of discipleship. The hallmark of discipleship is that you must deny yourself. Jesus can wake you up. You want to sleep. You are tired. Jesus can wake you up and say, I want to have fellowship with you. That is following Jesus. Mm -hmm. You are really tired. But Jesus said, I want to have fellowship with you. You must rise up from your bed and engage in that fellowship with the Son of God. Amen. Thank you, sir. And uh, about that particular cause, it's actually, it's actually that cause is actually symbolizing like the will of God. For example, God sent Jesus Christ to, to, to the world to die for, for our sins. When he was carrying that cause, he was carrying, you know, he was obeying his father. So now, that cause for me is actually like whatever Jesus tells us to do we do it even if it's hard because one thing that as Christians we can never say to God is no Lord mm. it's not possible like it's it, it, like to God if we call him our Lord every time it's a yes yes yeah you can know that saying yes to him there's a prophet so yeah that cause is, is symbolizing of you know sometimes there are pains that are attached to his calling. You no, know? some, some people will like will will persecute you. Maybe like you know they will reject you and, and all sorts. And um, like one of the causes is actually like carrying the burden for the nations. Yeah, burden for souls, burden. You no, know? like like it'll be so it, it'll be so heavy on your, on that particular person. Like the, the, like they can't really like be weeping because. It's just something I, I really, really want. Whereby something will come upon me that, you know, that, that I have to pray until that thing is lifted. That's called burden. And it's really, really much. Even, even fasting. You have to fast. You have to mm -hmm. fast and pray and seek his face. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's so important. Because the fasting and waiting on the Lord, seeking his face, is so critical. Because mm -hmm. the flesh we still struggle with the mm -hmm. obeying the will of God. So when people don't know that, one of the reasons why we fast, this is, this is why we, one of the things why we fast, and I want anyone that listens to this to take note of this. We are fasting not because of God's reluctance to hear our prayers. We're actually waiting and fasting to break the resistance of the flesh in following God. The flesh, we always give us reasons why we should not do what we should do. Believe me. What does give, give us reasons? So there's a struggle within the flesh. So the more we wait on the Lord, we are subduing the flesh and allowing our spirit man to be stronger than the influences of the flesh over our life. If mm -hmm. you fast more, if you fast more and wait on the Lord more, you find out that you begin to get less angry I'm telling you, you begin to get less angry, less upset. It begins to subdue. You know, when people insult you, they slap you, you're already dead. A dead man cannot respond to, to insults and abuses. Mm -hmm. So how do we get to that point? We subdue the flesh by what? Waiting on the Lord, seeking mm -hmm. his face. As we build his face, we are changed into his own image. Because Jesus Christ was also slapped, yet he, the Bible says he did not open his mouth. He had, the flesh has been subdued. The son of God, divinity and humanity, human slapped him. He didn't respond. Mm -hmm. So that's the way, what waiting on the Lord, fasting, follow the example of Jesus, does to this flesh. Flesh, we always want to be in conflict with obeying the will of God. So mm -hmm. I encourage everyone listening, fast more if you can. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, sir. So the last one on the list. The last one, let me give you a beautiful one. I love that one very much. John chapter 4, 23 to 24. I love it a lot.
John four twenty three twenty four. Oh, this one is good. Yes. But the hour is coming, and that is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. That's a very loaded place. Hallelujah. It's very loaded. Now he's talking about worship. Mm-hmm. Worshiping God. Three things that are very important in worship. Mm-hmm. And the, the object of our worship, the attitude of our worship, and then the standard of worship. Three things. The mm-hmm. object of worship. So for my friends and now uh, young adults and youth out there that they are singing and worshiping God, and then you are taking a selfie while <laughs> worshiping God. Wow. It's, it's, it's improper. It's not correct because you have changed the object of the worship to yourself. Yes, Mm. if truly you are the object, God is the object of worship, true worship makes you to be lost. In fact, in true worship, you are lost for words at some point. Mm -hmm. That's why I love the popular song that somebody said, oh, there are are no words. There There are no words to even use. When you get to a point in worship to God and you are building the beauty of holiness, you mm-hmm. do not be able to find words to express what you see. Amen. So the object of worship is what Jesus Christ is saying. The Father is seeking worshipers. So I am the object of your worship. So we worship God, whether there is instruments, there is a keyboardist, there is a drummer, we worship God, regardless of sound, regardless of that, because we are not the object of worship. In fact, there are situations whereby all of those additions have a way of even taking our focus away from the object of worship, and we are more focused on the singer, on the person playing the the instrument than God, because he's played so skillfully to the point that we are just distracted. And our minds is just focused on that. Sometimes we just need to shut down all of those additions and focus on the true worship, the object of our worship. And he mentioned what? The proper attitude. Anyone that is not born again can never offer acceptable worship. And what is the reason? He said you must worship how? In spirit. If you are not born again, you are spiritually dead. Your spirit is dead. Man is a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. If you are not born again, your spirit man is dead, cannot fellowship with God. So anyone that is not born again, that is not a child of God, may know our songs in church, may even give an offering, may sow a seed for the building of a church, may give, may do all of that, but it is not acceptable. We may receive your offering, your gifts, your everything in our local assemblies, but as far as God is concerned, God must accept a person first before he accepts what the person is offering. So the Bible tells us in Genesis 4, Cain was rejected, not just his offering. Cain. So God rejects a person before he rejects whatever the person is bringing. So a person that is not born again cannot offer acceptable worship. And how do we, even when we are born again, to offer acceptable worship is by following Romans 12 verse 1. He said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is how to offer acceptable worship to God. Making my life a sacrifice to God, an incense, an aura for God, that God can, can come to me at any time. My son, rise to your feet. That's worship. Obedience to God is worship. Give me this. God is placing a demand on me to offer this to, to him or telling me, give this to a man of God. Give this to my son. Give this to my daughter. My obedience to God at that time is what? Offering worship to God. 
That is worship. And that's why we say, an unbeliever cannot hear that. It's only my sheep that hear my voice. So an unbeliever cannot hear God telling him to go and, to go and uh, do this for a man of God. No, it's only the sheep that hears the voice of the shepherd. So that's spirit and in truth is Jesus. Proper standard of worship is what? Fellowship and relationship with Jesus. That is when our worship can be acceptable. So three things that Jesus Christ, acceptable worship must what? Contain three things. Proper object, God. Proper attitude, spirit. Proper standard, truth. So can you come against a proper what? Being... Proper worship has three components, which I explained earlier. Proper objects. Who is the object of the worship? God. Proper attitude. There's an attitude of worship. It must be in the spirit. Attitude of worship. The proper standard is what? Truth. The person of Jesus, which makes our worship to be acceptable. So acceptable worship involves three components. God, spirit, truth. Thank you very much, sir. That was good. Amen. So these are the 10 saints. There are more of them, actually. There are a lot of them. There are a lot. There are a lot of them. Yeah. But before we go, let me just give my own, just one of them that I really, really like. Awesome. Um, So, yes. This is is my best. This one. uh, John chapter 5, verse 30. For years, I have been practicing this one every time. John 5, verse 30. It says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, mm. but the will of him who, who sent me. So this verse uh, is so powerful for me because really I, I have grown up with the knowledge that Emmanuel, physical me, cannot do anything. I cannot do any single thing. That is why I need Jesus. And so, so happens that before I act, he has to, I have to see him act. So, so, so that means, that means I have to wait for his voice. He has to tell me what to do. I cannot just be, do, 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 do things because when I do things by myself, I end up either getting disappointed or or what I start does not really last for a long time because I did it. But when he does it, there is so much life and power in it and so much, you know, even what I say sometimes, even when I'm teaching, I try not to say, I try to listen to what he's saying so that so that what comes out of my mouth will be what he wants to speak. So let's pray. Lord, we are grateful again. Thank you, Jesus. Your word is sweet. Amen. Your word is, Bible said, your words, I found them and I did eat them and they became a joy and the rejoicing of my soul. Your word says, your word is light to us. Your word is life and is health to all our flesh. Thank you for your word. We don't know where, what our life will become, will be today if we didn't have these saints from Jesus, these words of hope, words of life, Ancient words that transforms even the vilest of offender, the worst of sinners, has had a counter with your word and they become evangelists. Lord, we thank you for this privilege. Thank you. He said even the, the patriarchs of old, they, they, they desire to see our day, but they didn't see it. And you counted us worthy to be in this time, in this season, in this generation. We are grateful. Thank you for your love. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for saving our souls. Even after you do that, you're still making intercessions for us at the right hand of the Father. Even with, with, after you did all of that, you are still speaking to us, guiding us, speaking to where we should go, 
places we should not go. You are still leading us. You don't want us to fall into the traps of the enemy. You don't want us to fall into any trap of deception. So we thank you for keeping us, for watching over us. Lord, we pray all these things of Jesus that we have been examining for this time. We pray, Lord, give us more understanding. In the name of Jesus, help us to take these words to us and begin to walk in them and to fulfill of your good pleasure in the name of Jesus. Lord bless, let's talk about Jesus' ministry into glow from glory to glory into height unimaginable. More souls will come to the kingdom through this platform in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we are praised. Amen. Amen and amen. amen.